Be inspired, supported, and empowered. This is the Global Healthy Living Foundation Podcast Network. We had one medicine, as I mentioned. I have so many medicines I can use now for acute care or prevention of migraines. Welcome to Talking Head Pain, the podcast that confronts head pain head on. I'm Joe Coe, Director of Education Digital Strategy at the Global Healthy Living Foundation. And as many of you know, a migraine patient for over 20 years. This is the first part of a two-part series with Dr. Alan Rappaport, who is the clinical professor of neurology at UCLA, the past president of the International Headache Society, and the co-founder and CEO of Bon Triage, a healthcare company that helps people better understand their chronic disease. On this part, we discuss his career, why he became a headache specialist, and how much innovation and change has happened during the time he's practiced medicine. Hi, Dr. Rappaport, how are you? Hey, Joe, I'm doing well today. How are you? I'm great. It's a good day. It's uh, It felt like fall this morning. Uh, I know it's quite different in California for you, but it warmed up as the day went on. But we got a taste of fall for about two hours. want to jump right in, and you have a long history of being a leader in headache medicine. How long have you practiced, and why did you initially decide to get into headache medicine? I first opened an office in 1972, before you were born. And uh, that was in Stanford and Greenwich, Connecticut. And I practiced there for over 30 years. I did general neurology. I covered three hospitals. Over those first seven years, I treated everything. Neurologists treat some pretty nasty diseases like multiple sclerosis, brain tumors, epilepsy, Parkinson's disease, neck and back pain, and headache. And over those first seven years, I was fascinated more by headache patients than by any of the others. Some of the others had more interesting brain problems or uh, other ways of presenting. But what always got me excited was to be in front of a headache patient who was smart, working, maybe had a family. And for two, three days or longer, every month, they were in bed throwing up, non-functional. And then two days later, they're back doing fine, but worrying about when the next attack is going to come. We had only one medication back in those days. We still have it, but we don't use it much. Ergot, it's an ergot, and it was called ergotamine tartrate. That was it. And that was a good medicine. It wasn't a good medicine. It was an okay medicine, but it caused nausea. And people with migraine already have nausea. So it wasn't a great medicine. And I decided in those seven years to get more involved in headache, to help develop new drugs, and to figure out what's causing this very complex and unusual problem, which on the surface, nobody can see anything. And all the tests end up being normal. And I said, I got to figure this out because that's who was coming into my office, along with the other people who were often even sicker in terms of chronic disease. And of course, many people with migraine have chronic migraine. That's how I got into headache. 
and why in 1979 I decided to open a headache center and really concentrate in headache diagnosis and treatment. Let's go into the present. So this was the 70s, and we're now in the 20s, which sounds really bizarre. It's a long time some, ago. It is a long time ago. What are some interesting trends that you can encapsulate quickly that you're seeing in research now? Well, the most exciting thing, and people always can't believe it when I say it, when I started practice, we had no CAT scan and no MRI scan. Can you imagine a world without scans? We had to do angiograms and myelograms and pneumoencephalogram and spinal taps. And even then, we didn't always know exactly what was wrong with the patient. So diagnostically, if there's something wrong with your brain that will show up on a scan, things are much easier. And then when it comes to treatment, we had one medicine, as I mentioned. I have so many medicines I can use now for acute care or prevention of migraines, and I will include some devices that are pretty helpful. I don't know which one to choose first. I have a rough idea what might work the best with a particular patient, but I don't always know. And then finally, the research on what causes a migraine has been just incredible. When I started out, we kind of thought inflammation in the meninges, the covering in the brain was important, and we still think it's important. And we thought blood vessels were involved, and now we think much more it's the brain and blood vessels, which is a tremendous leap forward. And we didn't know anything about serotonin. At the, I mean, we knew about it, and we knew it was involved. But we didn't know about the receptors and we didn't have medicine that affects those receptors. So today we're in the light and back 50 years ago, we were in the dark like the patients are in the midst of a migraine. That's so amazing. And I know I've benefited from a lot of that research as a migraine patient and knowing that there's so many different options that are available if my current treatments don't work just reduces anxiety, I think, for a lot of us, knowing that there are multiple things that we could try and do working with a provider to uh, feel better. So that's exciting. You know, I, I just add one thing, you know, everybody who's listening has probably tried a trip in and maybe tried three of them. And sometimes they work well, sometimes they don't, sometimes they cause side effects. There are seven of them by tablet. And some of them are nasal sprays as well. And some of them are injections and some of them are inhalers. We did loads of research back in the 90s and after 2000. We, in our headache center in Stanford, Connecticut, we were doing approximately 14 trials at one time. And we were involved in all of that research. And all of that was critically important because everybody has tried to attend. But today, people are looking back and saying, yeah, they're great. And some of them say, I don't want to move. I'm fine. And that's okay. And some of them are saying they never work that well, and they cause side effects, and they constrict blood vessels. But look at the six or eight new drugs we've had in the last less than 10 years that have moved us way ahead. I think our patients 
They're unlucky that they have migraine, but they're really lucky that they're living today and not 50 years ago. Especially if they are connected with the right provider that is able to educate them on their options. I think a lot of us, and I didn't realize this until doing this work professionally, that the um, living with a headache every day isn't normal. I thought it was. I thought that everyone had a minor headache every day. And until I realized that that counts towards your headache counts when it comes to what types of treatments you can access, I would have still been on some older medications because I didn't know that information. So we need to get that information out to um, our community to let them know that you don't have to live in this pain. You could try different options and hopefully they'll work well for you. And if not, you can continue to work with a provider to find different things. Extremely important concept. And I think you will move the needle ahead better than a lot of us have been able to do in the past. I mean, we've been working on this for years and not only do you have to get to the patient, you have to get to the primary care physician. Thank you for listening to this first part of my conversation with Dr. Rappaport. Join us next week as we continue our conversation and tackle the topic of medication overuse headache. If you like this episode, please give it an honest five-star rating and subscribe so you never miss another one. I'm Joe Coe, and I will see you next time. Be inspired, supported, and empowered. This is the Global Healthy Living Foundation Podcast Network.